Hey, it's me, it's Darren Griffiths, and this is episode 7 of Griff's Brain Dump. Let's get straight into this, yeah. Okay, so, past few weeks, I've been coming in very late, 4am, 6am. Hey, in bed, not, well, yeah, I was in bed by 12.30am. I was in my house by 11pm. There you go, didn't go crazy last night. Maybe hear it in the voice that I'm feeling much better, much, much better. I went to the British Museum yesterday in the day that was good did my radio show did my charity stuff then went to british museum um and i realized well i didn't realize I got reconfirmed that a lot of art is bollocks <laughs> a lot of it's rubbish went to see the uh, the etchings of david hockney um uh, i'll tell you now he is not very good at etching this work was so underwhelming and and just see all these people there, you know, with their, with their with their chin rested on their hands, their horn rim glasses, looking at the art and like musing in silence. While me and my mate were just stood there absolutely in stitches, going, What the fuck is this? It was it was dreadful. It was dreadful. I'm gonna post a picture um with when I post this podcast, I'll post a picture of his of one of his etchings. You'll see the quality or lack thereof. It was terrible. And when I was looking at it, I was thinking, for this being a British museum, I cannot accept this is this guy's best work. Like, it cannot be his best work. It has to be, you know, you know like when, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember an equivalent music, which singer has, someone who's got a good body of work, but then released one crap song, but people just accept it because their body of work's really good. Yeah, it'd be like Michael Jackson if he released a crap song. Or, actually, or when someone jumps on a bandwagon and everyone says, this person's great. Like, like Drake. Drake's good. He's Drake's great. But I don't think... Na- Drake's got to a point now where I don't think he can actually release anything that anyone would call crap. Hotline bling. That's it. These etchings were the hotline bling of Hockney's work. <laughs> it's just... To come out, everyone was like, what? the hell is this but then they look around and they see everyone else is loving it and they go i mean i like it too like they've got no kind of sense of individuality they're just gonna just follow everyone else like yeah well yeah i like it Uh, yeah i like it too and that's what i felt these david hockney etchings when you see them you'll see how bad they are and to make them look even worse they're like pen drawings but next to them was like a whole charcoal piece done by Michelangelo. <laughs> like you got Sistine Chapel level artist versus this guy. It looks like he um, he draws sunglasses on people in the metro. <laughs> like his drawings were shit. So I want you to go and see it. British Museum is free. Go to the third floor at the back. You'll see his works. And you'll see what I'm, what I'm saying. It was poor. And then we um, went for a drink after. And... Um, Listen, I'll tell you that the bar service in this place was dreadful. It was there for 40 minutes. It took us 40 minutes to get served one drink. Well, to get served a drink and drink it, 40 minutes. And um, just one, one theory I've come up with now is that the, the better looking and better dressed the bar staff are, the slower the service you'll get. That's what it is. Trust me, you go to a bar... And the guys are in like dungarees, grey t-shirts. And their clothes are torn. You can see there's dirt on their clothes. You'll get served your drink quickly. 
right? Because they don't care. They don't care if they get splashed. They, in their mind, I'm here to work. That's it. Let me just get these drinks out. Fine. Get away from the bar. Piss off. That's their idea. That's their ethos. But when you go to a bar where the guy's wearing bow ties, white shirts, uh, they can't afford to get any any pink of that strawberry daiquiri on their shirt. No. They can't. That's the end of their shift. No tips for you. And this is exactly the type of bar we was in. The guys had like gold bow ties, um, braces on, white shirts, and they were making the drink so slowly. So, so slowly. And you know when you're stuck behind a group of students? And you think, how do you know the students when you're just stuck behind them? This is how you know, because all five of them are at the bar. Because they're not doing rounds. They're all paid individually. And they all order individually as well. Like, there's just no logic. All right, fine, you're paying separately. I'm not going to take the piss out of your financial situation, no. But they all stood, stood there, five abreast, all ordering drinks individually. And, and they're all talking to each other between their orders it's like just get one person to make the order and just pay separately just do rounds it was happy hours like four pound a drink like, oh. it's like it's taking so long i would have bought their drinks just to hurry them up so yeah it's so a bar politics bar etiquette just get your drink i don't care if you know the bar staff just piss off talk to them at the end of their shift when there's some downtime. You know, no one does that at any other job. Like, could you imagine? Like someone who's a surgeon. He's operating on you. But then he sees one of his mates by the window. He just starts, just leaves the scalpel in you and just starts talking to someone else. I mean, you've got local anaesthetics. So you can see this happening. They're just having a chat. Just banter. Yeah, yeah, just because I'm prick on the operating table. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't worry about him. Yeah, I'll come for a drink later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let me just finish with this idiot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can't save his foot anyway. Fuck him. What? Can you hear me? Um, yeah, no, I think he can, actually. All right, anyway, see you later. Bye. No, no. It's not acceptable. Granted, yes. Somebody who works behind the bar is at the same level as someone who's doing surgery. But I think my principle remains. <laughs> Well, no, what else is happening this week is um, I was late for work uh, on Friday. Uh, and I'll give you the full honest explanation of what happened. I'll, I'll tell you, because I don't care. Um, here's the sequence of events. Thursday, I went, I performed um, in Camden. Finished my performance. And I, I realised, oh, one of my radio station buddies hosting um, an urban karaoke night in Camden. It was really good, really fun. But it, So I thought, right, let me go and say hello. That's it. I hadn't been before. So let me go say hello. Uh, I pop my head in. She sees me. I say, hey, how you doing? My other um, radio buddy, he's doing the DJing. I say, hey, how you doing? Just come to say hello. This was 10.30. I'm saying hello. By 10.45, I had two drinks in my hand and I was on stage rapping 21 seconds. <laughs> I've got no self-control. Just when there's a good time, I just jump on the wave and just get involved. Just get involved. I can't say no. And you know when, um, you know when you're, you're about to go down the dark road, when you're looking on your phone to work out if you can afford to miss your last train and get a cab, I saw that my Uber is only going to cost 12 quid to get home. 
And I was like, I was basically thinking anything under 20 pounds, I'll stay it out. <laughs> that's what it's going to be. 12 quid. I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm out. Stayed out till two. Fine. Went home. Woke up. And you know when you wake up and you think, hmm, it's bright in here. <laughs> like, it's way too bright. It is it's way too bright. Um, woke up. It was 8.22. And I start work at 8.30. I live an hour away from work. So that's uh, that's how that went. And um, it was just a, se- just a series of errors. Because when you wake up and you initially panic, that's what I used to do. I used to panic whenever I was late or something. Or remember you've just forgotten something. You just panic, 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 panic. Um, so I did. I jumped up. But no, no, quit. <laughs> shit, shit, shit. But Darren, 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 you can't make up an hour's journey in eight minutes. Just call them, tell them you're going to be late. And that's it. Because I checked my phone and thought, oh, I must have not plugged my phone in. Nah, I just slept through both alarms. I thought, fine, just called in. I'm going to be late. Made my way. Got halfway between my house and the station. Tapped my pocket for my Oyster card, which is like uh, my travel card for the American listeners. Like, now it's your ticket. It's your train ticket. Didn't have it with me. Thought, fine. I'll just pay cash. Use my wallet. Tapped my other pocket. Didn't have my wallet on me. I was like, this is crap. And then, yeah, but then stayed calm, still stayed calm. Because why? Because once you're late, you're late. If you're meant to be somewhere at 10 o'clock and you turn up at 10.30, that's not any better than turning up at 11. You're just late. So I just stayed calm, stayed calm, got into work when I got into work, just said why I was late, said I missed my alarms, but I'm here now. And I'll work back my time, which I did. See, no panic, just stayed calm all the way through. So I'm a new man. I'm a new man. I don't mind being late now. <laughs> That's what it is. That's, I'm a new man. Punk, I don't value punctuality anymore. But, um, ah, that's what happened this week. Watching um, TV. Watch TV and um, I caught up on... On the Rio Ferdinand documentary. Did anyone see that? If you haven't seen it, it's a good documentary. It's about Rio Ferdinand. He's uh, again, obviously the UK listeners will get this. The American American listeners. He's a Premier League footballer. If you don't know who he is, soccer player, big player, um, and he lost his wife to cancer a few years ago. So he's it's, it's a documentary about him dealing with the grief, raising three kids um, on his own. And, um, yeah, it was, it was very sad. Very sad, but it was, it was good. He was, he was grieving. He was dealing with it. He was meeting other guys who were widows. And documentary was very informative. But that isn't what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is the comments on videos. Just how moronic sports fans are. Because you're just like, each comment started with, Oh, well, I'm a Liverpool fan, but hey. I respect Rio Ferdinand. <laughs> it's like, so what? You're a Liverpool fan. He's just like, oh, I'm ne- I support Chelsea. And I never liked him as a, as a footballer, naturally. But as a man, I respect Rio Ferdinand. It's just like, shut up. Just say you respect the guy. Like, like you supporting a rival team adds weight 
to your stupid opinion. It's like, never liked him as a player. Nope. I remember when he got he got Gerard sent off at Old Trafford. But as a man, I respect him. <laughs> it's, like, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. It, to American listeners, uh, the equivalent, I guess, would be... Um, I don't know, if something happened to... Something happened to, like, Steph Curry, right? Something happened to Steph Curry, and someone goes, oh, like Steph Curry's mum dying, or his wife dying, right? And, and someone goes, oh, I've never liked the Golden State Warriors, but, oh, I respect Steph Curry as a man since his wife's dead. It's just like, ugh. It doesn't, it doesn't add anything to it. Just be a human, be normal. The guy's lost his wife. He's had to raise three kids on his own. And he's made, and he's just raised awareness about that issue. Just have that. Just, just let him have that. Well, no, but it was a good documentary, though. Yeah, it was good. But that's the only TV I watched this week, other than that and Match of the Day. Um, but via the internet, we saw the interviews with Rachel Dolezal, who's come over to uh, the UK. Transracial. Transracial. Rachel Dozy Cow, whatever you want to call her. It is one of the most bizarre things. And it's making me think. And I don't get it. I don't agree with it. So if you don't know who she is, she is a white lady. Yeah, white lady, a European American. Who is trying to say that she identifies as an African American. Right? Uh, her parents say, shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's what her parents are saying. She's trying to blame her parents. She's made up stories when she was younger about when she was a kid. She used to draw herself um, with a brown pencil rather than a peach one. And her parents like, that That just didn't happen. Then other people said, oh, it's because her parents adopted four black kids. Um, and that's why Rachel wanted to be black. Um, no, they adopted these four black kids when she was an adult, um, so no. And then her story was that um, she felt repressed when she was younger. Uh, she felt like she she couldn't express herself and she felt she was being punished for being her. I don't know how that translated to her feeling like she was a black woman trapped inside a white person's body. <laughs> I don't get it. And I swear it's only, it's only this way round this could happen. Only this way round that a white person could say, I feel like I'm black and they get interviews. <laughs> like it, no other way. No other way. I don't I don't think a white person could say they think they're Chinese. I don't think a black person could say they think they're white. I, it just it would just can't happen any other way. It really couldn't. And um I'm just happy. I'm happy the media, although they are entertained the interview. They're really not understanding. They're just not having it. They're not having it at all. Um, and what makes you laugh about this kind of um, identity thing is how transgender people, when people go, oh, transracials like transgender. And transgender people like, nah. <laughs> it's like, nah, 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 nah. Get your own struggle. Like, no. <laughs> it's like, stop it. Stop it. Everyone likes their own struggle. That's the thing. Everyone likes their own struggle. And because everyone else got their own struggle, even like white men, 
white middle class men have their own struggle now because because they've been told they're not allowed to have a struggle. That is their struggle. <laughs> I mean, if you're working class, you can have a struggle. If you're a person of colour, you can have a struggle. Woman, struggle. Homosexual, struggle. Transgender, transsexual, struggle. Disabled, struggle. You can have all these things. If you're poor, struggle. But if you're white, middle class or male, you're not allowed to struggle. And that, sir, is your struggle. That you have to deal with the fact you're not allowed. <laughs> and that's it. Oh, dear. But no, she's just, she's such a peculiar character. Such a peculiar character. And like, it's, she's going to, I think, it's two things she's aiming for. She's either aiming for her own mental condition to be named after her. Like, like dollars out identity disorder. Or she wants her own reality show. She wants, yeah, she wants her own reality show. Um, White is the new black. We call it that. We call, we call it that. She's, yeah, and it's, I think it's gonna be like her. And um, what's Michael Jackson's daughter called? Uh, Paris. That'll be another one. She'll be on the show. <laughs> I feel sorry for Paris because Paris is Paris believes Michael Jackson is actually her dad. And if she actually believes that is her dad biologically, like she's been told nothing else. And, you know, her family have told her that the Jacks family have told her that then she is going to believe that she is half black, regardless of what she looks like. That's what she's going to believe. Whereas Rachel Dolezal knows she has two white parents, yet she's still trying to claim Nah, nah. I, I I see I see you're both white, but I'm not. Like her mum and dad kind of look at each other slowly, as if to say, "Is this girl real?" And she said, "You're oppressing me. You're oppressing me. You're oppressing me because I'm a black woman." No, you're not, Rachel. Stop it. I'm leaving home. <laughs> it's like it is bizarre. She is a strange, strange woman. But yeah. I think she'll make a. I think she'll have her own reality show. Um, before the end of the year, she'll have her own reality TV show. That's what I'm predicting. Because she could have done everything she did. Like she did, like she did a lot for towards like black causes. And she could have done that as a white woman. It actually, it may have been more powerful if she did it as a white woman. But instead, she was like. Now nah, it's not good enough. I, I need to. You know, I, I feel like I want to support gay rights, but I can't do that unless I start being gay myself. So I'm gonna start sleeping with men, and now I can support your gay rights. No, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, I can support equal rights for disabled people. I don't need to start sitting in a wheelchair. I'm rolling around in a wheelchair and telling people, yeah, yeah, I'm disabled too. No, it's more powerful as me as an able-bodied person in a privileged position to go, hey, yeah, do you know what? You need to think about disabled people better. You need to treat them better. You need to make the world more accommodating. All right? Like I was, actually, like I noted on um football game, it was Leicester versus Stoke. And I saw where the disabled people are sat. They were sat right at the front. 
So you might think that's a great view. Yes, but it also means they're not covered when it starts raining. I was, oh, it's tragic. Just And they weren't even real. It was just like in the gap between the pitch, between the advertising boards and the actual stats. They kind of just wheeled out and just left there to be rained on. It's not, no, it's not good. And I I don't think that's right. But I'm not going to become trans-disabled. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to become trans-abled or trans-disabled. No, I'll just say that is wrong. You don't have to do that, Rachel. And what else happened this week as well? Oh, Article 50. Article 50. It's been handed. Uh, what what I loved about that was the kind of, um, kind of like the ceremonial nature of it. Like you could send it by an email, you could scan it in, but no, it had to be hand delivered. And it was like the, it was the photography of whoever was representing Britain. I can't remember his name. And it's just like Donald Tusk left there holding the letter. He hadn't opened it yet, but he had, and he genuinely looked sad, like he like he'd just been dumped. <laughs> it was the drama like I, I was looking at the image and I thought shit I, I, I feel bad for him not not about Europe not about Britain leaving or UK leaving not about the EU I felt bad for Donald Tusk like he looked like he took it personally like he thought him like he, he thought he, he had designed a future with this girl and this girl's just gone, um, no, it's, it's over. And everything is in the letter as to why this is over. He looked heartbroken. And um, what makes me laugh about these things, right, is, is the reaction. It's the reaction of people. Okay. Because it's always this kind of false dichotomy, this false narrative between two sides. Imagine they ha- it happens in America as well with the... Trump thing as well it's either you follow my you like not even you follow my view I don't even care about your view I'm just going to ask you one question did you vote in or out did you vote Trump or not that's it I'm not going to ask you anything else of why I just want to know that answer if you agree with me then I'll have a discussion if you voted the same way I did we will have a discussion if you voted a different way to me you're an idiot. <laughs> That's it. Discussion over. Done. And he's, I've seen it all over my Facebook. The people who voted leave. They don't comment. They don't update their statuses. Right? They don't they don't just they don't see it about. People who voted for Remain are so vocal. They're going, oh, I'm gonna have to do an audit of my Facebook friends because some of the things I've seen, I'm getting rid of them. And it's like they probably and then someone adds they probably voted leave. <laughs> it's like anything. There's people just crying into falafel and hummus sandwiches. That people just got a different opinion. And granted, the leavers, they need to calm down. Like Independence Day. It's like, whoa, dudes. UK has always been independent. Yeah. You can't you can't claim independence to celebrate independence for leaving a party that you you were invited to and you went to and then you decided to leave right you can't go to a party drink the drinks eat the food and then go actually i'm bored of the party now and then get outside about oh, 
Finally. Right, that's not independence. That's not... You weren't oppressed. You wasn't forced into it. No one came into the UK and said, this is Europe now. Yeah, that happened back in the Roman times. But yeah, Britain's been independent since then. It's not Independence Day. Like, calm the fuck down. Right? And the same people who remain as well. Again, calm the fuck down. Decisions been made. It's been put in. Now you've got to actually just campaign about how you want it done. That's what you've got to campaign about now, if you care. If you're that way inclined, campaign about that. All right? Okay, now I don't think I've got much more to talk about. Um, no. I've got off my soapbox. I've told people how they should do politics. <laughs> Something that I don't really care about. And not because um, I think I'm above it. No. It's because I'm... I'm, I'm quite ignorant. That's that is where my uh, knowledge gap is. I know a, I know a little about a lot of things, and I don't know too much about politics. Because um, the way I see, it, I'm, maybe I'm too simplistic. I just think of politics. I can say one thing and do something else. That's how it goes. It's like I I want to go in this room. You vote that I go in the room. Now I just go in the room, lock the door. And you're there trying to peer in. Like, I, um, now I voted you into that room. What are you doing now? It's like, oh, that's none of your business now. What? Yeah, that is how democracy works. You you only needed to vote me in. I don't need your view on any decision I make. And so that's why I just don't really get too involved. Because whoever I vote into that room, I can't control what they do. So I'm not too fussed. But hey, I'm not going to complain. But, um, all right, so stats, stats time, stats time. People like stats. Uh, so this week, I'll do the weekly one first, where uh, the city with the most listeners. Okay. In joint fifth place, Basildon, Southampton, Hammersmith, all in the UK. Joint fifth. Joint, uh, in fourth place, New Southgate, United Kingdom. In third, London, United Kingdom. Again, I don't know how London is defined. Hammersmith is in London. New Southgate's in London. Anyway, in second place, Boyden, Virginia. So the winner, yep, the winner for this week, as you guess, is second week in a row, Chicago. Chicago, Illinois. It's the winner. But the overall league table of most listeners is in fifth place, San Francisco, California. Fourth place, Ashburn, Virginia. Third, London, United Kingdom. Second, Chicago, Illinois. Still top overall listeners is Boyden, Virginia. Boyden, don't let don't let Chicago overtake you. They're catching. I think it's unfair because Chicago has like four, five million people there. Boyden, Virginia has 480. I can't remember what number it was. 436. So I might have to do like an average. I'll do an average of listeners per population. And I think Boyden are just winning by far. But um, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's the end of the podcast. Um, I ain't got much more to say. All right, peace. Have a good week, people. See ya.